Welcome to the Birth Lounge Podcast, an empowering space for expecting and new parents to hear candid conversations with experts, support your mental health, and learn the tips and tricks that thousands of parents have used to craft their ideal birth. We will answer all of your questions, the scary ones and the weird ones, to help calm your fears and feel confident going into your birth. I'm going to help you redefine what birth and motherhood looks like and how to embrace your journey. I've intentionally crafted an amazing list of experts to help you navigate pregnancy, explore your birth options, and plan for postpartum so it can be a time of soaking in your tiny human. We're going to go there on all the hard topics so that you can dive into finding your confidence and freeing yourself from fears around childbirth. With almost 10 years of experience in family education and a master's degree in human development and family studies, I created this podcast as a way to share information so parents can make educated and informed decisions about their care during pregnancy and childbirth. This is a birth community driven by evidence-based information and research in hopes to help you explore your options, understand your rights, and know what choices you have along the way. I'm your host, Hee Hee. Now let's get to the good stuff. Hello, hello, hello. Happy Tuesday, you guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Birth Lounge Podcast. Today's episode is going to be a super fun conversation. I think it's going to be a conversation that you need to have. You might not know that you need to have it, but at the end of it, you're going to be like, wow, I needed that conversation. And I also think it's a conversation that not a lot of people would probably tackle themselves. So I am very excited to talk to you today about green and clean sexual health products. So healthy products are totally my jam. I'm always looking out for things like fragrances and perfumes and products around my house. I'm a big fan of thinks instead of traditional period products because of the bleach and the parabens and hormone disruptors that are in those traditional products. We store our food in glass containers at our house and use eco-friendly detergent, things like that. So it should be no surprise to you that your sexual health is important to me too and particularly in pregnancy because you're growing a baby in there. So I have invited my friend Rebecca Story who is the founder and CEO of The Bloomy on today to talk about green and clean sexual health products. We're going to talk about how you can empower yourself to know the chemicals that are in the products that you put in and around your body so that you can take control of that type of stuff while you're pregnant and in postpartum while you're healing from giving birth. Now, Rebecca earned her bachelor's in women's health and sexuality from UC Berkeley and her master's in sexual studies from San Francisco State. So she is the sex guru. I'm super, super excited to have her on today. The Bloomy also has this really cool list. It's called the ban list. And these are things that absolutely should not be in the products that you are putting in and around your body. Rebecca is going to dive into the ban list a little bit bit further. So without further ado, Rebecca, welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. 
I'm so excited to have you. I'm very excited to share all of your knowledge and your wisdom, but also about Bloomy and you, your, your mission out there because I love it and I'm here for that. So before we dive into all of that, can you start by telling us a little bit about who you are, who are we talking to today, and then a little bit about Bloomy? Sure. Um, so my name is Rebecca. I've got a story. I consider myself a sexual wellness expert. I'm also an entrepreneur. And my passion is really bringing clean products, clean intimate care products to women and femmes. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about why that's important and what's going on with the industry right now. But um, I'm also a mom and I just had a baby. So I have two girls. Um, so I'm very passionate about female health, women's health, motherhood, all of that mixed together. The Bloomy um, I founded last year, and it's the first marketplace for clean, intimate care products. Um, there's nothing really right now available where you can get everything all in one spot, and we have that going for us as well as the clean element. So everything is screened to make sure that it doesn't have toxic ingredients. That is amazing. Again, I am here for that. So <laughs> mention of toxic ingredients. Why should we care about like period products and our sex toys? I feel like these are just things that people are accustomed to getting. Like you either, you know, you like this kind of sex toy, you like that kind of sex toy, or you buy this specific brand of tampons or that specific brand of tampons. And that's just what you do. So why make this shift? What is it? What? Kind of like, what's it worth it to you, you know? Yeah, um, this is like the one topic that I feel super passionate about. So I my background is in research and I have a lot of experience in regulatory aspects of like bringing a product to market. And what I learned over the 10 years working as a consultant for all these women's health companies was that there's not a lot of thought, unfortunately, that goes into the ingredients in our intimate care products. There's lots of reasons for that. The main one is because it's a heavily unregulated field. So that means that somebody who's making a feminine wash follows the same guidelines as someone who's making like a lipstick. And those are two very different parts of the bodies that really require completely different um, makeup. But there's a stat that we like to share from our company when we were doing our research that we found that after reviewing about 5,000 products, about 98% had at least one toxic ingredient. So that's as of last year, so you can kind of get an idea of what I'm talking about when I say the majority of the products on the market still have a lot of work to do. And by toxic ingredients, we're talking about things that could just irritate your skin, like cause an infection, um, meaning like a yeast infection or a rash or even bacterial vaginosis, but sometimes even more aggressive um, like health implications that are affecting your entire body. And there's a lot of these ingredients that have been linked to cancer. So overall, like the reason that we're so passionate about these products being clean is because there's so few of them actually meeting the bar and, and doing right by women, I would say, making sure that they're putting a lot of thought and effort into every ingredient that they're putting in. It's not just for profit. For sure. I feel like um, if you're going to call yourself a health product or like a healthcare product, you should certainly 
help my health, right? Like, don't cause me harm. Don't say I'm part of health and wellness and then, like, hurt my body. What? I know. It's pretty crazy. It's pretty wild how unregulated it is. And I think there's a lot of, there's, like, this wave of education that's happening where a lot of people are more interested in just the natural and the organic. And so there is a shift of consumers wanting companies to be transparent but it just blows my mind how crappy these ingredients can still be and and maybe to take a step back just to share what intimate care products mean is it's everything from hygiene like your feminine wash your white your moisturizer like a labial moisturizer to period products which is like tampons pads reusable products menstrual cups and then also sexual wellness. So lubricants, um, we include sex books in that, even though it doesn't go on your body, but everything in the sexual wellness category, toys, things like that. I think that, again, it's a lot of people do not think about this when they're thinking about like, you know, clean living or going green um, or whatever it might be. I just don't think that vaginal care, like feminine care products, is on that list, right? Right. A lot of times. Okay, so it is well known that a lot of ingredients aren't disclosed and that a lot of them are like icky, but what does icky really mean? No one ever really tells us what's actually in tampons and pads. You know, I heard, so for me personally, someone was Mm -hmm. like, yeah, there's bleach in there, and they showed me a difference between a bleach tampon and a natural tampon, an organic one, and I was like, yeah, I'm all set with that. I'll take 27 years of organic, please. Thank you. Stop, Kyle. Great. Right. You know? Yes, I do. And, and you know, I feel like tampons and pads in particular have gotten a lot of, like, heat in the past couple years. So you don't find as many that have bleach. But the, pro- the main problem with organic, or not organic, with cotton products is that the majority of the cotton that people or manufacturers are using to create these products, they have contaminants. So those contaminants come from just raising the crops. So herbicides, pesticides, um, and a lot of times there are additional um, ingredients that manufacturers like to put in to make them highly absorbent. And that's where companies really get into trouble because something as simple as like absorbency means that there's hidden ingredients in there that we may not know about, like the Kotex scandal that just happened about their um, their tampons being made with an ingredient that unraveled inside of women and was causing a lot of like reproductive harm. That's awful. Um, there's also other ingredients like dioxins and, and ingredients that normally are an aftermath of raising the cotton. And so that's why it's really important that if you are able to, to choose products that are made with organic, organic cotton, um, that way you, you can just pretty much avoid all of those contaminants that are used when growing the crop. Okay, so we keep talking about organic and I think I honestly feel like everyone these days says they're organic. How do you really know? Because it's still really unregulated, right? You can just kind of put it on your box and say like, yeah, let's call it organic. They'll buy it. And then I think it kind of happens like that. People are like, oh, organic. And they buy it, right? Back to that same brand. Yep. And, And another thing that we learned 
at the Bloomy when we were doing our research before we even launched is that 95% of claims that you see on packaging, it's greenwashing. And greenwashing means like they're using, you know, marketing claims that are not completely true or they're saying things like organic lubricant, but it's not truly an organic lubricant. That's just the name of it. So what customers or consumers like us can do is if you're looking for a cotton product like a tampon or a pad, look for the USDA certified organic label. And that's pretty easy to find. That way you know that the cotton is really following the strict standards of growing something in an organic way. And um, another thing you can do is, um, the I'll say that the standards right now in this space are kind of iffy. Our um, company just launched something called the Band List, and we know that that's going to grow into something that's going to be really helpful for lots of companies in their manufacturing process. So if you see that a product you are using contains an ingredient that's found in our band list, I would not recommend using it. We put a lot of thought with a lot of experts into creating that list. It lists out why we banned them and why what they're used in. So I would honestly just take a free evening that you have, take the products that you're using. If you don't see the ingredients, that's a bad sign because companies don't have to disclose all the ingredients. So I would not use those. Now, the ones that do have the ingredients, screen them against our list. If there's something on there that's fishy, maybe switch. And one of the things that I really advocate for is I know that when we say organic, it can be more expensive. So I'm really a big fan of slower transitions or making things as affordable as possible. And we have an article on our blog that talks about making the switch to clean products in a affordable way. And one of the things we say is, or recommend is um, change the one thing that you use the most. So if you use tampons the most, maybe start there. Just switching that to a cleaner version will have a positive impact on your health. And for our listeners, we will link all of these amazing resources um, that Rebecca is putting up. But Rebecca, they can also get the band list on your website. Right. Yeah. So you guys can just, yeah, you guys can just go to thebloomy.com and it will be there. It's at the very bottom. I am um, not, I'm not an expert, but I've already checked it out. So <laughs> already been there. We just launched it yesterday officially for the public. So that's awesome that you already saw it. <laughs> I love your stuff. I keep up with it. Your emails are amazing as well, which is something I don't even talk about for my own self. But um, yeah, if you're going to be on an email list, I do suggest the Bloomy. It's always, it's a good one. Um, it is a good one. No. So, okay. So first of all, the range of topics that you're talking about on your podcast, it's amazing. Like you I love everything that you're talking about because it's all intertwined, like motherhood, pregnancy, sex. Like it's all literally something that we should be talking about across the board. One of the things that I'm trying to help um, the public understand is that I personally support like other brands and specifically like female founded companies. I am a big advocate for supporting each other. At the same time, I have to be very transparent about what we're doing for the Bloomy and the fact that there's a lot of companies that have false claims. And I can mention to you that out of the feminine washes that I know that you have recommended so far, 
we have screened them all. Um, and the only one that I would personally recommend and that the company recommends today is Healthy Hoo Hoo. And the reason is because part of our screening process is we do, um, we take the products, like we take the feminine washes and we do, we send them to an independent lab for testing and we send them for pH testing specifically. And I know you had a really great podcast on pH testing. Everything was spot on. And I love everything that you talked about. People should go back and listen to that because it was really helpful. Okay. There's a difference between like vulva skin and vagina, but right. um, unfortunately, some of the feminine washes that say they're pH balanced are not or the ones that are pH balanced contained ingredients on our band list, like for example, glycerin, which is not something that we recommend as a company because it can damage like rectal cells, it can potentially cause yeast infections. So long story short, um, if you don't see a brand or a product on our marketplace, there's a reason behind that. I have screened hundreds and hundreds of feminine washes um, and the only one, unfortunately, right now that passes our criteria is the Healthy Hoo Hoo brand. So that's the one that we really advocate for right now. Rebecca, I love the idea of the ban list. And like we said, you can get it on the your website. But I guess the underlying problem for me is kind of the lack in choice. Talk to us a little bit about that. Like, what's going on there? Yeah, so if, if you go on our website, you'll see that there are certain products that we have very limited selections for, and that's because it's really tough to find clean options in this space, and as much as we, you know, we try to provide as much variety as possible, sometimes, even though we've done the homework to understand and really screen lots and lots of products, it boils down to there's only a couple that we recommend at this time. And I have done a lot of research to understand, you know, what are the ingredients that most companies are still including that they shouldn't be. And we are in communication with a lot of really great brands about that. Um, so you can expect slow positive change moving forward. But um, for now, the choices that we offer on the website are the ones that have passed our criteria. And this is just a bigger problem. It's not really about, you know, like your individual website. It's about like, we don't have the options to make these recipes with safe ingredients for women to have safe options. It just sounds so silly when we say it out loud, but that's the underlying problem. So how did we get here? This just seems so wild. I mean, I kind of chuckle when I say it out loud because it seems so bizarre out of this world, but how did we get here that this is what feminine care products look like? You know, so there's so many things I can say about that. Mainly this has to do with a lot of cultural taboos and a lot of men that were in charge of product manufacturing for these brands. So I am happy to say that there's been a shift in the last few years and you can start to see there's a lot more options and a lot more female-led companies like for women, by women. But at the same time, there's just been this whole cultural taboo atmosphere that we've been living in where there's a lot of shame in, for example, odor, like vaginal odor. And to some extent, some of it is normal. But the idea that women should smell like flowers or vaginas should smell like flowers has really created this industry where there's a lot of fragrance in the items that we use. Um, 
there's also a lot of money to be made in this industry. And so what happens is a lot of these manufacturers will use cheaper ingredients. It drives up the profit. And so that combination of like cultural taboos of, of wanting to smell very fragrant, E, that's not a word, but that's okay, <laughs> mixed with companies really trying to squeeze out all the profit and everything they can in these products because they're used by such a large portion of our population, I think has really just created an industry where we have so many products that unfortunately have a couple crappy ingredients or a lot of crappy ingredients. Um, and I think that that's changing now. I do think that there's this wave of consumers are driving what we want and people are asking for cleaner options. There's a stat that I read in um, a new study that said 75% of women are seeking out healthier alternatives to current intimate care products. And that's huge. That means three out of four of us are trying to find cleaner products, whether that's a pad or a tampon or a wash or a lubricant. So that makes me happy. That means that we're on the right track here. That is amazing. I'm actually a little bit shocked, but in a very proud way, like, yes, women, yes, yes. <laughs> I also think that it's kind of unrealistic, unrealistic to think 100%. You're just going to have some women who this is not their jam. And I, I kind of respect that, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm super proud. Yes, we can um, pat ourselves on the back. That's really awesome. So we talked a little bit about the, the taboos and the stigmas and the shame about menstruation. Go into that a little bit more. Like, just share your thoughts. I want to hear you ramble about this topic. <laughs> so it's, it, it makes me kind of upset to think that there's still such a huge portion of us that feel that sex is is like shameful or dirty or our periods and like menstruating is shameful or dirty. But, um, as, so I'm Latina, I'm Mexican, both of my parents immigrated here. And I grew up with a lot of cultural norms that had to do with these topics where the idea of stay clean, meaning like when you're on your period, um, wash yourself really well, use these very fragrant products. Um, you know, blood is kind of dirty. Like those ideas were just part of my cultural like norms, I'll say. And I think that's the case for a lot of women, especially women of color. Um, and then the idea that sex is something that you either wait for or that um, it's something that's more of a there's less pleasure involved. And so the idea that it's more on the dirty side and that you should make sure that you, a lot of like the douching practices that are still being used today, like those blow my mind. The fact that there's still a lot of douching that happens after sex because of ideas that it's dirtier to try to get semen out of the vagina. Like I've heard a lot of different examples of how like these taboos are affecting the things that we do and the things that women want to do to stay clean. But overall, like I had to do a lot of soul searching when I was going into this industry and really understand like, what is something that I have to unlearn and I want to unlearn. And I think that one of the things I really want to do for our community, for the Bloomy community is help people make the decisions that they want for their bodies. So I don't necessarily think you need to do 100% organic or you need to do, you know, 
that you need to be a hundred percent pro masturbation every day or like, you know, there's nothing extreme about what we're trying to advocate for. It's more just find what feels good for you and don't necessarily trust that everything you learned as a child or as a teen is something that you should continue with in terms of like your sexual self and like empower yourself sexually and, and make sure that these taboos that you feel like, is that really what you want to continue thinking and carrying um, through into like your relationships and your own sex life and your practices? Because I think at the end of the day, when we stop to really reflect on, you know, what makes us happy, pleasure makes us happy. Um, Making sure that we advocate for ourselves makes us happy. And a lot of that happens naturally when you have information. And so that's what I'm really excited about seeing podcasts like yours and, you know, blog sites like ours where people can go and they can learn about these topics that, you know, we think we have it all figured out, but there's so much to learn in the sexual health space. So I am rambling now, (laughs) but in general, it's just, it's just nice to take a moment to really reflect on the things that you're currently doing and the things that you believe when it comes to your intimate health, like where would you like to revisit those things? And what do you want to, um, what do you want to relearn? I guess. Yeah, I could not agree more. I have two things to say. So first, um, I love that you mentioned, you know, reevaluating is what you have always believed working for you now. Is that serving you? Is that actually who you want to be and where you want to go and what you want your future and your current to look like? Right. And If you decide no, give yourself permission for that to be the answer and know that that is totally fine. Actually, you should know it's almost expected. If you're thinking that what you learned in your teens is still true and you're like an adult, shouldn't you have had a couple check-ins by now, right? You don't really want to be having the same teenage thoughts that you have been. It's expected that you have these pivots in your sexual development. So don't shame yourself for feeling like you want to take a turn know that you should take a turn. It makes sense from a human development standpoint, which is how I come to every conversation. And the second thing is the psychology piece. So I'll just share that with you too. The psychology piece is sex is so much mindset. If you're excited about the way that your vagina smells and tastes and you're excited to share that with your partner, they will adopt that same energy and be like, hell yeah, I'm excited to receive that or to share in that with you, right? They will get that. And the second piece for the psychology is that um, the research shows that actually partners who are like very close to your, your perfect match and or your perfect match will be attracted to your sweat smells so they can have you know the study where they they had people exercise and then their partners came and were able to correctly identify their partner's sweaty shirts um and so your partner will if they don't like the way you smell throw the whole partner out and try again like (laughs) back and like toss everything back your fish your wine try again there's so many fish out there Somebody will like it. So, dude, fuck the shame. I just can't with that. Like, I know. It's, it's crazy. Like, even if you think about, um, if you think about, like, the business side of all of this and the business side of sex, uh, you probably have heard a lot of this already, but sexual wellness companies cannot advertise 
And so from like, you know, from a consumer standpoint, it doesn't feel like that big of a deal, but this is how companies survive. This is how like we can get these cleaner products to you. And so that's, that's just, there's so much when it comes to the lack of advertising, there's a double standard because we can see advertisements for Viagra, for example, but we can't see them for sexual pleasure for women. It's so, it's kind of bullshit. It doesn't make sense to me. And this, this has been ongoing. It's not a new thing, but that's just one small example. And then when it comes to startups, there's so many great companies like um, Unbound Babes, Dame Products, um, even Coconut, LV. Like there's so many great companies that are doing good by people and making sure that they're creating these amazing products. But at the same time, like the funding that goes to these companies is so skewed compared to the companies that are focusing on male pleasure and male sexual health. So to me, like from the business side, we need to do better. Like we need to invest in these female founded companies that are doing such great work with the products that they're creating. Um, because then that means that consumers can have more options and it goes back to our issue of there's not a lot of options. So to have those options, we need to help those companies grow. And I think VCs and investors should really take a closer look at, at what the demands are and what women and femmes are asking for. So that's my little plug for, supporting female founded sexual wellness businesses <laughs> but also word of mouth so if you like the products of bloomy and they make your experience easy of getting these sexual wellness products and they deliver in a very discreet package for everyone um so you don't know that it's anything sexual um so if they make everything good, tell your friends about it. Introduce your friends, which I guess kind of leads me to my next question. But I want to stop because when you said um, to your comment about the Viagra, <laughs> I chuckled because I wanted to say, didn't you know that's a medical problem and nothing with women is a medical problem? It's all in our head, right? It's all, it's mental health, which in our country is in the dumps, which just adds to the cycle. It's just a very nasty, vicious cycle. So yes, support clean, support um, small businesses, support female focused and founded businesses like be smart with your money people people are always like oh you can't do anything yeah you can you have all the control be smart with where you're spending your dollars and you will see those companies grow and they will eventually be able to be the big dogs and then you have access to this kind of stuff but you're really crucial in this so i think this is just proves why i have people like you on the show to talk about your mission um you know and i think a lot of people might think this doesn't have anything to do with me yeah it has you are every bit of it right consumers are they're everything so yeah. Okay. So circling back to having these conversations, they can be a little awkward. How do you have the conversations of, Hey, I have a period, you know, have a plastic free period or, Hey, I use the diva cup. How about you? They can be a little awkward with people who are not like your sister and your mom and your closest best friend. How do you actually make an impact and have these conversations with people that you don't know super well, but you think can benefit? Yeah, that is a great question. It's not like makeup, right? Like you try a, 
a lipstick or a lip gloss you like, and then you just have a casual conversation. Sometimes some of these topics can be a little bit more personal. So I would recommend two things. One, I would recommend trying to make these conversations more casual by having more of them at, from just like a wellness standpoint. So for example, you know how we have the big talk sometimes when we talk about sex with younger kids? I am a big advocate for don't make this a one-time conversation. Make this an ongoing life conversation. Your health and your sexual health are going to change as you grow, as you meet people, um, as things happen in your life. So for me, if, if I can recommend anything to women, it's try to have these casual conversations as if you were talking about your blood pressure or as if you were talking about you know, going to the doctor for anything else. So what, what that means sometimes is stepping out of your comfort zone and just sharing a personal experience. But I think with practice and doing it more often, it does become easier and it does become, you know, more of the norm. And I think the second thing is I would expect um, or, or expect people who you're speaking to to want to also have a conversation with you. So I think a lot of times we... Um, holds back on some of the things that we want to share with our friends. But to be honest, they probably are more receptive than you're thinking. And they probably want to have these conversations because for so long we've had the narrative come from white men, usually on what we should be thinking about our sex life and the products that we're using, but that narrative is changing. And the, the best way to do that is to have conversations with people and share your experiences. So, you know, stepping outside of your comfort zone a little bit can go a long way. Viewing this as a general health topic, like sex and intimate care and periods, like this is all just part of our health. Um, so it is a little bit of a shift and a pivot in like the way that you're thinking about it from like a health standpoint. And then really just, what is it called? How do you say it? Like walking the walk or talking the talk? What's that saying? Sometimes I get them mixed up in English, but um, yeah, just really making it something that you can drop little conversations here and there. Um, because if a friend of mine has a product that she's loving I want to know about it because I want that option as well. Also, I, you you touched on that the narrative has always come from white men, so it has, and you have to think that their perspective was, their end goal was pleasure for themselves. I think women, we're seeing this shift because we're taking it back saying, whoa, 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 but not if I'm in harm's way or I'm like going to get cancer. Like, you are not worth that, you doofus. Absolutely not. No one's worth that, right? Like, Bring it back to my health. I think uh, women are starting to realize, hey, there's consequences if I don't start to speak up and make moves in my life and do the research myself. And the thing that you want for your yourself, I think that you would want for your friends. So yeah, absolutely. Share these products. And I like how you say do it kind of incrementally. I say also just make it kind of a normal thing that you talk about. Um, if it's on your mind, which I guess you have to train yourself for it to kind of be on your mind, but bring it up. Don't hesitate because here's the thing. They have a period too. And if they don't, they still have something to talk about. They don't have a period. Like you have something automatically in common with this person 
that you can bond over and you can take the opportunity to educate them and maybe change their life. Yeah. Right? Maybe change their complete life. Um, cool. I think it's awesome if we can give people the, the ways to start these conversations. And I also believe you said walk the walk so you can talk the talk. I believe <laughs> the same thing. So I think the best way to share something you love is to share your story of how it has impacted your life or how it has, you know, changed your life, I guess. And good, clean products is a great way to say like, Hey, I switched this over and here are the, the noticeable differences that I am seeing in my life. I just wanted to let you know that there was an option. Chances are they might not know about it. Right. And, or they know about it, but they've never taken the time to, to look into it. Yeah. And I, I'm like making a note because you're saying all these great points that I would love to like keep talking forever about this, but really want to mention that there's this new, um, there's like a new shift in the way that conversations are happening from generation to generation right now. And the fact that there's so many millennials, there's a lot of um, what I read to, it's called teaching up. So normally or traditionally, I'll say um, there was a lot of, women's health education that was passed from generation to generation. So like grandma to mom, maybe even from your aunt. So somebody older than you, and you sort of just took their word for it, used the products that they would recommend. They were, you know, the big generation of, of using those mass produced products. But now there's a lot of education that's happening from the daughter to the mom or from honestly, like it's kind of crazy, but I have an 11 year old daughter and she is so educated on her body. It's all age appropriate, but she, the way she talks to her friends is very different than the way my mom used to talk to her friends, even the way I used to talk to my friends. So it's nice because you can see there's this more progressive, open-minded perspective that's building with the younger generation. Um, and they are aware of, you know, like I think the millennial buying power is something that they own. And like, I'm part, I'm like the, at the tail end of the millennial generation, but um, it's nice to see that because what we're seeing is I have done this all the time. I recommend products to my mom all the time and she loves maybe half of them, but still that's like a handful of products that she probably would have never known about. And my daughter the other day um, asked me, you know, if she could get, a period underwear that was in boxer brief um cut in the like the boxer brief cut and i was like that's so cool that you're even thinking to ask that like who thinks to ask that and so we did research she just started her menstrual cycle a couple months ago and so we did some research um she found a brand that she loved and we're actually going to carry them on the bloomy now <laughs> but that was that was the generation thing i wanted to say and then um, a second thing that came to mind is you said something about like, if you could make the switch to something healthier, you would be all for it. But one thing I didn't mention is the compound use of products. So for example, like um, the average woman will use a tampon or pad 15,000 times in her life. And so if you think about, you know, there's a lot of people who don't want to make any switch and they, they like the brand that they like and that's fine. And they've never had any issues, but say you are, 10 years into your menstrual cycle and now you make the switch to cleaner, you're probably impacting, you know, 20 to 30 years of your life with cleaner options. So the compound effect that you are going to have on your future health by making a switch, it's pretty, 
pretty big, I guess. Um, and we don't really look at it like that. We kind of just look at it from a more instant perspective. But if you think of your health long term, um, making small tweaks now does have a big impact on your reproductive health, on your sexual health. Um, so, yeah. Absolutely. It's kind of like chipping away at, you know, at a stone, right? You you make small chips and then eventually you have this really beautiful thing. Um, and yeah. in this case, it's your health is back. We're doing a lot of talking of, um, you know, products to use and products to um care for our vaginas what does that average like vagina care routine look like because we know we shouldn't actually wash our vaginas we can rinse our vulvas um some people choose to wash their vulvas we certainly want to use clean products but how many times a week a day is it up to you does it is there an average does it truly depend on the person what should we know about cleaning ourselves so in terms of hygiene practices, there is a lot of personal preference that comes into this because um, most women's health clinicians will say to just rinse your vulva with water. And I completely support that. However, I also know there's that other side where the majority of people do like to wash with something just the same way we like to wash the rest of the skin on our body and our face a lot of people like to have an option. And so if you are going to use a wash, um, exactly like you said, you only wash your vulva or like your labial skin and you want to make sure that you're doing it. You're not over washing. So the, the wash that we currently recommend on our website with healthy hoo hoo, you can use it every day. It's light and gentle enough to use every day, but you certainly don't need to. And so what I personally have recommended to people that want to use a feminine wash is try a couple times a week, or if there's certain times of the month that you feel you just want that extra, like, um, cleaning foam, then maybe around your cycle or times that you personally feel like you could really benefit from it. But, um, it's supposed to be a light wash and an easy rinse off product. And in terms of moisturizers, there's this big shift right now towards really paying attention to labial skin because it's so different than the rest of our body. Um, I'm a huge advocate for moisturizers. The reason is because depending on the time of the year, the time of the month, our hormones really like fluctuate and they do change the makeup of the labial skin. Sometimes it's very dry. Sometimes um, I can feel even irritated. And there's also a lot of trends right now with you know, different grooming tactics. So women have chosen for the most part to just decide on what they want to do with pubic hair. So what, by, what I mean by that is a lot of women or femmes, they're choosing to not do anything and just make it all natural. And with that, you really want to think of it as taking care of uh, very specific hair in that area and making sure that sort of the same practices that you're applying to hair on your head, you're applying to hair on your vulva area. So one of the products, for example, that we have, it's called Fur Oil. And it's meant for pubic hair and labial skin, which I love because it promotes the idea that you should do whatever you want with your pubic hair and you can wax, you can shave, or you don't have to do anything. Um, and so that again, goes back to the hygiene practices for washing and moisturizing. They can really be your own regimen. Um, certainly don't need to do more than a couple times a week, but if 
if it feels right for your skin and your pubic hair to do something every day, you're also like obviously welcome to do that. We just really advocate for um, light products, products that don't have a lot of residue, that won't damage the skin, that don't contain glycerin, um, and certainly never to insert anything internally because that's a whole different ballgame. Absolutely. And for listeners, we talked about, um, you know, doing it too much and doing it just a couple of times a week and not doing it enough. If you want more information about washing your, I call it your vagina, um, but washing your vagina and your vulva and all, all of that goodness, um, you can check out episode number 102 of the Tranquility Tribe podcast. Oh my goodness. We have just covered so much, but also... Yes, to all of this stuff. I think there are so many missing conversations, like even the fact that I'm having to ask, how do we wash our vaginas? Like, we should just know that. It should just be part of growing up, kind of. Like, you learn how to wash your feet and wash your hands and wash your face, but no one teaches us how to wash our vagina. I'm mind blown. I'm so mind blown. I know. It's it's so good to be having these conversations though, because it also inspires me, even though these are things that we think are kind of like 101, a lot of us didn't talk about these things. And um, I think about my daughters, plural now, but I think especially about my older one that just started her cycle. And what do I want her to know? And we do these mini lessons, like once a week, like she picks a topic or I pick a topic. And it's certainly come up where we've talked about how do you wash and clean that area? And um, giving her the proper like anatomical terms and making her feel comfortable in saying vulva or saying vagina. And um, it inspires me. I feel like we need to have more of this even on our blog and, and make sure that we're writing content that it's, it's covering the basics too, because the basics are important and it sets the foundation for, um, I don't know, teaching your kids or talking to your girlfriends and things like that. Absolutely. I, we actually could just talk for ages and ages. I mean, <laughs> if you are new around here, then this is going to be your first time hearing me say this. But if you're not new, you're used to me saying this. You should absolutely teach your child anatomical correct terms for their body. You want them to be able to communicate what is happening with their body. My goodness, don't confuse Oh, everybody involved, right? Everyone involved would be confused by a pet name. So teach your child the right terms of their body. Teach them the appropriate times to use them and the appropriate ways to use them and to the people that are appropriate to talk about those things and those places on your body with. Those are the boundaries that you want to set, not make those terms off limits. Um, Yeah, I could go on for ages. Yep. There was a really great article that just got published in the New York Times by another sexual wellness founder, Andrea. Um, I forget the exact title, but it talks about the dangers of not showing your kids anatomically correct terminology. And I loved it. It was spot on, resonates with me. Um, Sounds like we're on the same page about that. Absolutely. I mean, I spent years in the classroom and, and, you know, especially down south when, you know, where things are so conservative and Occasionally, we would have people here um, in Boston, but it especially happened on South where they were like, oh, we don't want you to call it their penis or vagina. And I was like, I absolutely 100% will 
cannot, I can't do that for you. I'm sorry. I can't promise that. That goes against like just me, my core beliefs, right? Um, I stand so firmly in that. That is a whole episode all. It is. <laughs> um, it really is. So my goodness. All right. One, like, one last question before I let you go. But Rebecca, how did you come up with the name The Bloomy? What is that about? Oh, that's a good question. I don't get that asked that very often, but I love talking about it. So um, the fun side of this is um, my husband is a marketing executive. So he's like a guru when it comes to this. And I told him he needed to help me come up with the name for this idea that I had. And where we landed in was we wanted a word that symbolized blooming into someone that you want to be. And um, there's this double standard or that's like double stigma almost with the flower. And on one hand, you don't want that pressure of you have to smell like a flower and like having that flowery fragrance. But on the other side, like there's so much representation of a vulva and a vagina in a flower if you look at images. And so it's kind of a play on a few things, but it basically is a play on blooming. And if you look at our logo, the flower also looks like a vulva and that's intentional. Um, so it's really just a place to grow, learn. Um, yeah, the bloomy. <laughs> I love that so much. Okay, so I know so many listeners are like, I can't get enough of this. Don't ever let this episode in, but we do have to go. <laughs> if people are interested in learning more either about you, following along, purchasing, checking out your shop, whatever it might be, where can they find you? Where can they connect with you? So people can find us on our website all the time. It's thebloomy.com. And we have this awesome blog that we actually just relaunched it um, from like a visual perspective to make it easier for mobile. We know a lot of people see us on their phones. So our blog has a lot of information that complements product use. We're not just about selling you products. We want to make sure that you know how to use them and that we're having these taboo conversations to just make them casual research-based, um, fun conversations. So our blog is on there as well. It's called Intimate Talk. And people can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at The Bloomy. Sometimes I also share like my personal Instagram and Twitter because I feel like um, if you want to follow all the crazy entrepreneur slash motherhood things that go on in my life, you're welcome to do that. My Instagram is Rebecca Alani. And then my Twitter is underscore Rebecca Story. Um, Oh, and then the last thing I would also say is our newsletter. Thank you for saying that earlier. We do put a lot of thought into our newsletters. We don't spam you. We don't email you every day. They're very intentional. And we talk about a variety of topics. Um, we also talk about products, obviously. But um, if you'd like to subscribe, you can go just to thebloomy.com and you can sign up there. Or on the blog, you can also sign up. Okay, and I said last question, but I'm going to have to insert this in um, somewhere because I totally forgot, but I cannot, cannot let this go. The vibrator necklace. Tell us about this wonderful, wonderful creation. <laughs> it's so sneaky, so it's fun, but it's also like useful. You just have a vibrator with you all the time, right? It's, I love this. Oh my gosh. I could talk about this product for a long time. So the Vesper necklace, I think you're referring to. So it's not a new product, but it's 
definitely something that's um people are still learning about because it's it is discreet so the vesper necklace is by crave it's another female founded brand and it's a basically it's a vibrator that comes as a necklace and you won't be able to necessarily tell that it's a vibrator but the really cool there's several cool things about it it comes in different colors so you can have that variety it's rose gold yellow gold silver um, it's pretty powerful so if you actually turn it on and you play with the settings there's enough power in there to actually get enough pleasure out of that it's it's one of the most powerful small things i've ever felt um, one of the cool things that i like to talk about with this necklace is that it's kind of like this insider club like now that you saw that sarah has it which i love sarah by the way totally love her podcast too um, once you see that a girlfriend has it and you know what it is and you spot it out, you're like, Oh, you know, it's that like girl code. Like I get it. I know what you're wearing. It happens to me all the time when I'm out and about and I have it on or if it's date night, it, you know, it's like well, it's something that I put on when I want that extra, like feel good accessory. Um, so when I'm wearing it and I see somebody else that has one on or they like point to it, like, Oh, I know what that is. It's, it's kind of this cool insider thing. And then the last thing I'll say about it, and the reason I love this toy, accessory, necklace, is because we know that the power of the mind and foreplay plays a big role in sexual satisfaction. And the anticipation can positively impact like all the outcomes that happen later in an evening. So what I mean by that is if you put on this necklace during the day, your mind will think about sex more often. You will think about it because you feel it. it. It sits kind of low. It kind of like lightly brushes on your chest or your breast area. So it's this subtle reminder throughout the day about whatever it is, vibration, pleasure, sexiness. Um, and it's a really good accessory that I recommend as a date night item. So if you put it on that day, you have a date later that day with your partner, um, the anticipation will build through during the day just because you have it on. So I love that because it's like a, it's like a quick, um, I don't know, feel good, wear me accessory. I love that. Yeah. It's just a constant reminder of like, what's coming to you later tonight. Like, <laughs> tuned. I love it so much. It's also, um, it's TSA approved. So you don't have to worry about it when you're going through the airport, which I have tested myself and I have um, seen other people wear as well. Yeah. So Sarah came up here recently for our retreat and it was actually for me, um, the moment that I was like, I got to have this thing was when I had my hands on it, right? Actually being able to feel how powerful it was, was so huge for me. Um, and it was yeah, it was good and powerful, and she made it through TSA, no problem, and it was amazing. Um, so, yeah, and speaking of the retreat, the Bloomy was a sponsor for our retreat, and the, oh my gosh, the participants just loved all of the goodies, and I, of course, loved talking about you guys, and Sarah talked about you guys, and um, it just feels good to be able to share brands that believe in and we use ourselves because it kind of is like that awkward conversation, right? I don't really have to sell the Bloomy because I use it myself. So you ask me what I changed to and I can tell you what I changed to and where I get them. And it, it's, it's just honest. So thank you. Thanks for being that for, um, for women. I, 
Really, really appreciate it. All right. So now this episode is officially coming to close, although we could talk for ages and ages. Listeners, this episode, wow, just gave you so much information. I can't believe that 98% of all feminine care products have at least one toxic ingredient. That is mind-blowing. Also, the fact that it's 2019 and we have such limited choices, and that just shows an underlying problem of women's health care in general. Also, changing the narrative from this should be pleasurable for our partners to this is really about our health and our future. Thank you so, so much for hanging out with us today. I will see you on Friday. Hey there. Before you go, I wanted to tell you who made today's episode possible. Today's episode is brought to you by Thinks Underwear. Ah, it's time for your period again, and what are you doing to manage your period? In 2017, I had a horrendous experience with an IUD that grew into my cervix, and if that sounds traumatic to you, well, it was, and through this experience, I was forced to totally rethink the way I manage my bleeding each month. I found Thinks Underwear, and to say they changed my life is a complete understatement. After the repercussions of the misplaced IUD, Thinks gave me control again. I started off with just one pair because who the heck knew if these things worked, but it didn't take very long before I had 10 pair of underwear. Who needs 10 pair of period underwear? I don't know, but I love them all so much. For new parents out there, I cannot think of a better way to manage your postpartum bleeding than the high-waisted or the Think Super. I don't want to be the one to break it to you, but the first postpartum period can sometimes be a doozy and Thinks can help. Thinks last up to two years, so they are great for our environment. They are also so easy to clean, plus they have a special lining to prevent any odor. They are no more effort than a regular load of laundry to clean. You can see how I care for my Thinks over on my Instagram highlights. Thinks has shared uh, $10 off of your first pair. It's a link, and I'm going to read it out to you, but you can also find it in the show notes. It's shethinks with an X dot com backslash pages backslash leader hyphen he he hyphen Stewart, and that's S T E W A R T. So you can visit that link, or you can visit that link in the show notes to save $10. I'm telling you, you will not be disappointed. And oh, if you're wondering what my favorite styles are, I love the sport, I love the thong, and I love the high-waisted. That's my period trio, and I could not live without them each month. I'm so excited for you to try yours. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I truly do value this community and I love hanging out with you. If you found today's episode helpful, share it with a friend. Share it with someone who might also find this information helpful. I'd love to hear what you have to say and read your sweet words on iTunes. You can leave us a review and this helps get this information into the hands of parents who might also benefit from hearing it. If you're interested in joining The Birth Lounge, you can go to thebirthlounge.com. Our blog is linked there. You can find all sorts of free information as well as how to get your access to The Birth Lounge. You can always hang out with me on Instagram as well, at Tranquility by Hehe. Until then, stay educated, stay supported, stay confident.
Hey there, just a friendly reminder that nothing in this podcast is to be used as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult your healthcare provider with any questions or concerns you have about your health or anything discussed in this podcast. Side effects may include educated adults, informed decision-making skills, and consensual care. Tranquility by Hehe and the Birth Lounge are not responsible for any ideal births that were created with this podcast. The birth parent deserves all the credit.